0: Hey guys, it's Pleasant. I have two super fun, exciting ways for you to go deeper with your practice. Number one, if you go to littleom.com, L I L O M -M M.com, there is a home practice tab up on the far right. There you will find five practices for you three inspired by the Ayurvedic elements, one for monthly flows. Expansion and contraction, and a daily energy, <coughs> a daily energy practice just for everyday life. So jump on the website, grab those. It's twenty seven dollars for the five practices, um, and we are starting our next session of Thrive Live, our fall session at the end of September. If you want to join us, click on littleomcom dot com backslash Thrive and come Thrive with us. We have. Office hours, live classes if you're in the D.C. area, Sacred Circles once a month, uh, coaching with our community leader, Rita Stevens, who you've heard on the podcast, and myself, and we love to spoil our thrivers. So once you're a thriver, you're always a thriver, and you are always invited back (coughs) each season. So come and really put yourself first this fall, your self-care, your soul care, learn about Ayurveda and the Thrive Five practices for everyday life. You can find everything at the website, littleom.com, and I can't wait to have you in our community. All right, take care. Okay, so today I have on the line um, my new favorite person on earth, and I'll tell you why. (laughs) But this is Jeremy Frindell, and he is the filmmaker behind two of my most favorite, sacred, beautiful films that literally both of them, Jeremy, when I watch them, I just weep. Like, I feel like they are just... Practice alive. Like they are just incredible pieces of art and connection. And so Jeremy is the filmmaker behind One Track Heart, the story of Krishna Das. Um, and the film that I got to know him from, which was The Doctor, which is The Doctor from India, which is playing here in DC next week. I had the pleasure of seeing it in Baltimore in the spring. Um, and it's just the most beautiful sacred art um, come to life. So thank you so much for chatting oh, with us. Thank you,
1: <laughs> thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh. <laughs> I didn't well, know you was, were in Baltimore either. That's yeah, that was a fun night.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, it was <laughs> packed and it was wonderful. I helped Susan with the tickets and okay. uh, just greeting people, and it was just phenomenal. Um, and I think that. The part I was sitting down to sort of reflect about before we were, I knew we were going to chat about why they are so special. And I think for longtime practitioners um, of yoga, meditation, Eastern philosophy, spirituality, um, is that I don't always find our, our, um, our interest and our passions in, on film. Right, Like I don't always feel so connected to modern (laughs) pop culture. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what you have done to integrate and to really bring these practices alive and help them be so accessible for people is brilliant. So I really just wanna honor the work that you're doing and say thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, it's, it's interesting trying to figure out how to bring that sense of connection and uh, kind of like big heart space that comes through these sort of practices into uh, a piece of art and specifically cinema of how do you translate that some taste of that experience and uh, for me it's something that I don't experience as often as I would like to (laughs) in other films so that's definitely been a bit of my like personal mission of how to, uh, one of my favorite filmmakers, not necessarily because I love his film so much, but just because he's such an amazing character, Alejandro Jodorowsky um, talks a lot about using cinema and art as a way to heal. as like a healing mechanism and vehicle. And I think that's a big part of what I've tried to do with these two films specifically, is kind of open up a healing space and a space of connection. Um, which I felt with both of those men with Christian Dos and uh, Dr. Laud so strongly, so to find a way to kind of uh, create a vessel for the experience of them to be uh, captured and you know spread in a way that you know they can't be with people all the time, but to kind of capture a little taste of what i felt with them um, through a film
0: well and being able to share it like as an Ayurvedic so I do a lot of health coaching from a yoga and Ayurveda standpoint and lifestyle that kind of wellness holistic wellness and one of the things is is when I start talking about Ayurveda I can kind of become hard to understand <laughs> because i think never- <laughs> Practicing and it's so deep, and I start talking about digesting emotions and integrating your whole life, and you know, just kind of going layer by layer. But so having your film and be like, okay, students, everyone, watch this, <laughs> and then we can talk about it. It's so helpful and it's so tangible. And so on one on one hand, it's such a sacred it's such a sacred piece of art that as a practitioner um, and a student of Ayurveda, I loved seeing Dr. Ladd talk about the connections. I love seeing him at home. Um, I love seeing him with the students. It was just so intimate and beautiful. And then on the other hand, it really helps those of us who've been studying a while have that common ground for the introduction. And same with chanting with Krishna Das, right? Same with Kirtan, same with spiritual devotion and bhakti, these things that sometimes when you've been practicing for so long, it's hard to bring it down to earth, <laughs> I find. So I love yeah. having these tools, you know? Um, okay. Can you tell me, how'd you get started with the film on KD? Because I, I heard you say in Baltimore that the film with KD is the one that sort of led to the one with Dr. Ladd. So can you give me a little bit of that history and the story?
1: Yeah. So I... Was, I mean, I, I'll take it like a few steps back. Um,
2: yeah.
1: I was living in New York, m- making movies, working on films mostly. I hadn't actually directed any of my own films. I was working on short films and was developing a television series that I was starring in and basically kind of doing more comedy stuff
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and trying to make it in film and entertainment. And, um, got sort of right on the edge of having we had a big deal with IFC I was supposed to be starring in my own television show and I finally made it you know I thought and Mm -hmm. made it in
2: quotes (laughs) um, so to speak Mm -hmm. and
1: like two weeks before we were going into production on the show it got canceled by the network because of something with anyway like because of something that had nothing to do with the show itself Mm. Uh, the show got dropped and I felt like my life was over I was just totally devastated. Uh Uh, And like months before I had totally randomly signed up for a Vipassana meditation retreat,
2: Uh
1: I had never done any meditation. Um, I'd never even like had really any introduction to any sort of spiritual practice. Uh Uh, I'd always had kind of a longing towards the unseen, which I had, Explored in some capacity through music, through psychedelics, through philosophy, but never in any kind of a focused way
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and I read this article, but there was always like a bit of a calling like something there was always something from like a pretty young age that would get tickled, but I never had anybody in my life that introduced me or like kind of sh- kind of led the way or even that I even knew that much was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read this article with uh, Rivers Cuomo, who is the, the main guy in Weezer, like a mm-hmm. rock and roll band.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and he was talking about how he would do these like 30 day silent meditation retreats. Uh, and it was a small piece of a bigger article, but for some reason it kind of stuck with me. And I looked up online what these retreats were. I saw that it was free. And I was just like, all right. I just kind of signed up for one. And I mm-hmm. pretty much forgot about it after that. And I got swept into this show and it was we were supposed to go into production and I really didn't think about it. And then when the show got dropped and I was laying in bed, depressed, unable to really move, it kind of like floated back through my mind. Like, wait a minute, wasn't that meditation or retreat thing something around now? So I looked and it was like two days later. Um, and I basically just like, dragged myself over to the bus station and got on a bus and went up to Massachusetts pretty broken and sat down and this retreat completely changed my life. Mm -hmm. Um, That process of just kind of exploring my mind, you know, so much of it is about exploring craving and aversion, what we're drawn to, what we like move away from and how compulsive so much of our thoughts and behavior and emotions are.
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: just really slowing down and taking a, a look at that and opening up my heart through this process it, it just kind of broke me open
2: mm-hmm. in
1: really profound and beautiful ways that are hard to articulate
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but at the end of it I knew that I had to change a lot of things about my life and my priorities shifted and suddenly you know being this like provocative comedian guy, just didn't have the same draw, and I just wanted to be happy uh, and figure out how to do that. And some part of me felt like I I wanted to practice yoga to try to integrate in my body what I had experienced through my, by exploring my mind. I felt like I needed to move it into my body. I've always been very physical. Um, I didn't know anybody that practiced yoga. I just kind of like went on the internet and found a place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went over to integral yoga. I started doing, I decided to do a teacher training because hmm. I wanted, that seemed to really be the only
0: uh, advanced uh, study. Sort of vehicle <laughs> to
1: learn, you know, no, I, didn't,
0: yes. I didn't
1: just want to go and take classes. I wanted to learn. And that was uh, kind of the only yeah. like, venue for that at the time, especially. So I just signed up for a teacher training. having haven't taken maybe <laughs> like one yoga class in my life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then in the process of that, the guy who was leading it brought a harmonium in.
2: Mm. And
1: as soon as he just like played the first note of the harmonium, it just opened me up. And I remembered that I had this CD where some guy was playing that. And it was, I didn't know anything about it other than that Rick Rubin had produced the CD. And it was something that I would put on, I think, when I was in college if I wanted to relax. Mm. So somehow, I don't even know how, but I'd ended up with a Krishnadas CD years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just knew he was the guy with the deep voice that Rick Rubin had produced this record. Um, but as soon as the guy pulled out the harmonium, I connected it, knew what it was. I went home and I pulled out the CD and I saw that Christian Vass was going to be doing a concert. I think was what I probably called it at the time
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> in
1: New York, like a week later. Uh, so I went to this, uh, his kirtan town on the upper West side and I just kind of fell in love with him right away. Uh, mm-hmm. felt he kind of felt like family to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a Jewish guy from Long Island.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) My
1: whole family are Jews from Long Island.
2: Mm -hmm. He was
1: born like two days apart from my mom, the next town over. Mm -hmm. There was just something like instantly that felt familial about him.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And then I went and I signed up for a retreat with him at Ananda Ashram. Mm -hmm.
2: uh,
1: And Dharma Mitra was teaching the yoga classes Mm -hmm. on the retreat. So that weekend uh, just really... Created a big course for the the next chapter of my life. I ended up studying really intensely with Dharma for years. I traveled all over the world with him. I taught in his training programs. Uh, I spent pretty much every day by his side for probably three years. Uh, And I really kind of stepped away from all of the film work I was doing Mm -hmm. and dove really deep into study and practice of yoga and meditation. Um, In that process, and I got to know Christian Das more. And the more time I spent around him, heard his stories, you know, after a couple of years, it was, uh, this kind of calling to tell his story rose up in me. And, uh, you know, I hadn't done any film work in that time. I don't even really understand how I paid my rent in that time. When I look back, (laughs) I, I started just selling all my stuff and, uh, I had like this whole ebay store going I don't know somehow I managed to survive that time and and I asked Christian I said I I just like it really struck me I said I want to make a film about your life
2: Mm.
1: and he was like all right (laughs) It, it was kind of that simple I went to another friend who studied with dharma who I knew had a job and like was one of the few people I knew who had money, which was rare
2: in in my (laughs) sphere and
1: would be somebody that would be inspired to, you know, put it in that direction. And I said, Andrew, I I, want to make a film about him. You want to get involved and help me? He said, right, that sounds great. Let's do it. Mm. And that was it. Uh, I found out later from Nina, who's kind of been Krishadas's, you know, uh, manager so to speak for a long time that people had approached him many times over the years asking to make films about him and they'd always been declined and somehow the timing and the sort of there was some kind of connection that felt right and it just set off on this path where for the next few years I was traveling all over the world with Krishna now with the camera just really meet by myself oh, um sleeping on the bus with them so I stayed in his house for a while uh, and it was the most incredible really a pilgrimage for me of meeting all of these incredible people from Ramdas to Larry Brilliant to Daniel Goleman to mm-hmm. Sidima to <sighs> just being really deeply immersed in Krishnadas's world and the people that he surrounded himself with and it was a real you know blessing and transformative experience for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in the process of that Really figuring out again how to make films and what i wanted to how I wanted to do that and what I was trying to convey and you know i'd never really even the work i'd done before i'd never really used the camera barely at all, so i was I was just kind of figuring out a lot of things as I went and um, i he he gave me a ton of freedom to really i don 't think anybody had any expectations for what I was doing myself included i think uh there was a part of me that felt like, you know, maybe this will end up being something on his merchandise booth at the end of the day, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the film, it, it, I had no idea what I had, uh, at the end of the day, I was started just kind of submitting it to when I, I reached a point where I felt like I was done after three or four years. Um, and then I just started submitting it blindly to places that i thought it would be cool if it played like the sunday Film festival i'm scribbling on a cd and an envelope and sending it there and really having uh no idea what i was doing um and then it got accepted into the maui film festival and that was the world premiere and it won best film at the festival, oh documentary gosh. at the festival <gasps> and then it got picked up to screen at lincoln center as part of the art of the Real, and it sold out in the day and then we got picked up by zeitgeist films for distribution and they released it all over the country and theaters and it really just kind of took on a life that i think stunned all of us and is really connected with people and moved people i still hear from people of how the film has affected them and uh it's it changed my life the whole way it went and at the end of it i was really clear like this is this is what I do now mm-hmm. <laughs> This is what I want to do, and now I'm
2: mm-hmm. doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And that brought you to Doctor Ladd's movie, right? And sort of, were you looking? How long? What was the um, the time between the KD movie coming out, One Track Heart, and the Doctor Ladd film in terms of development? Like, I don't know anything about films or filmmaking, Jeremy. So you have to fill me in on what what does that look like with logistics
1: with documentary films, it can look an infinite variety of ways. Uh-huh. It can be something that's like very well funded with a large team that can be completed sometimes in as little as one year,
2: uh-huh.
1: or it can be one person working by themselves for 10 to 20 years is not uncommon for uh-huh. the just like the, the, a film to take that long. So it can really look a variety of ways uh-huh. um, for one track heart up until like the post-production part, it was really just me, myself. Uh, You know, I would show up at people's doors with Uh covered in gear, with like lights and camera and microphone and all this stuff. And I remember showing up at people's houses and they would see me carrying all this stuff and I was by myself and I could feel them like, oh God, what have I gotten into? I
0: was going to say, they must have really (laughs) loved him to just open their door (laughs) to you, (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) Um, But then after (laughs) One Track Heart, I, I felt like, okay, now I want to try to figure out how to do this in a slightly more professional way. Um, mm-hmm. and had a variety of projects that I was developing. Uh, but I was really clear. I didn't want to do another film about Eastern spirituality.
2: Mm-hmm. I didn't
1: want to be like the <laughs> yoga movie guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. I wanted
1: to like do something different and show that I had some range. And, uh, I was kind of trying to look at it as like a, like in a sort of a career sense. And I was, actually shot for about a year, a film about the band foreigner. Okay. Um, So I traveled with those guys a bit and was shooting and developing and putting together this project that was something that was, I was approached about and I kind of like talked myself into a little bit. It was never like a project that moved my heart in a profound way. Um, But it was something that was kind of interesting. And then after a while it was, yeah, I I knew that I I didn't want to do that. Um, and it wasn't like financing wasn't quite coming together. And, uh, in that time I met Dr. Laud, um, I was sort of asked to go on a week retreat by a friend with him and I, I didn't really want to go, but, um, I didn't really know much about Dr. Laud. And I was, I, I was just kind of at a point in my life where I was sort of tired of, going to yoga talk so I think was probably how I would have put it in my mind
0: <laughs> I understand <But> then... <laughs> um,
1: and they, but it was at ananda ashram and it was summertime and they have a swimming pool I was like all right <laughs> I was just going on hang out at the pool and then I walked in the room and I met Dr. Laud and I just fell in love with him oh. um, and I spent the whole week there and it didn't cross my mind at all to make a film about Dr. Laud Mm-hmm. which is really rare for me because I'm always looking for film ideas and uh-huh. sniffing uh-huh. things out. And somehow it just never crossed my mind. And then on the last day of the retreat, uh, I met Sarkash, who you've, I'm assuming, I guess, have now met in the screenings mm-hmm. at DC,
2: mm-hmm. who's
1: just such a like incredibly beautiful man. Um, he, we ended up sitting next to each other in the puja, like the final puja mm-hmm. closing, the week of teachings. And he found out I'd made the film about Krishnadas and somehow we were talking and the idea to make a film about Dr. Lod came up and he knew Dr. Lod and uh, a few days later got him on the phone and started talking to him about it. And within a couple of months, Sartaj had written me a check for the, the, the root funding for the film and I was in India filming. Um, it happened really fast and it felt like something that, was supposed to be happening in some sort of cosmic sense it felt like I just kind of walked into this project that was what was supposed to be the next thing I was doing um, and Dr. Lod is just such a gem and after having spent so many years hanging around Krishnadas and Dharma Mitra and going to all these yoga conferences and all of these things I I couldn't believe that I didn't know more about Dr. Lod
2: yeah.
1: because he's just such an embodiment of this Uh, lineage of teachings and these practices in such a uh, real deep way Um, so as soon as I met him I wanted to I I wanted to go deeper and uh, experience him and learn more about him and be with him and and ultimately tell his story and share his story and try to find a way to create this kind of like I think of them as like sort of cinematic vessels (laughs) to Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. have an
1: experience that is hopefully gonna be healing and open people's heart and inspire them to,
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, move into wider, more compassionate directions in their own life um, to some extent, Uh, which is the effect that Dr. Lott had on me. So to find a way to share that with whoever finds their way to the film. Um, So
0: I think that one of the things that really struck me is that I was, I didn't, I have not studied with Dr. Lod in person. My main Ayurveda teachers, um, uh, I have been studying with a woman in California for a number of years on her courses and then doing whatever I could locally and with teachers locally. And I find myself, right now because of the climate and spirituality yoga meditation um not actually having male teachers at all like i just kind of stay away <laughs> um it's yeah. just where i it's just how the how everything has fallen entirely
1: understandable the yeah.
0: trust and every lineage <laughs> of everything i've ever studied and now shambhala i mean i just am like i can't with these guys so i have not been studying with male teachers. Uh Eric Schiffman is my yo- was my yoga teacher for a long time and continues to be the largest um divine feminine energy in my life, which is hilarious because he's obviously <laughs> not a woman, but he is just such an embodiment. Have you ever met Eric in real life? I've never
1: met him. Uh I know another <sighs> woman that studies with him and has studied with him for a long time though. He seems great, but I've never met him.
0: Dumbledore, right? You just want to like fall (laughs) into him. He's just so embodies his true self and allows everybody else in the room to do that, right? Like constant questioning and flow and intuitive freedom yoga, right? So he is my main influence over the past few years, only male. Um, Otherwise, I study with Angela Farmer and other sort of female representatives. And then on the Ayurveda side, also, I've really stayed close to uh, more modern Ayurveda female teachers. So I kind of was rolling my eyes about Dr. Lod. Like that's my truth is that I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going, I'm not a, I'm not really a Deepak. I'm not a Chopra fan. I don't follow any of that world. I'm not, it's too much for me. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's nothing wrong with anybody who does. It's just not for me. I just am not in that realm. Um, so, which is really interesting, that whole thing that came up in your film, which I just could not stop thinking about. Um, but (laughs) so I was not (laughs) a doctor, like I was not in that camp. I was not in that lineage. I was not studying from him and I just kind of stayed away from it. I went to the film. I mean, it was exactly like you said, the minute you see his softness, his gentleness, his tenderness, his Clarity and articulation and love for his wife and it, in nature how how in tune he is how the harmony that he literally embodies it was it was breathtaking and I I remember leaving I was driving back to D.C. and I like took a note you know I said like Siri take a note look up Dr. laud 's teaching schedule must go see him so <laughs> was kind of like I realized the age and we talked about this I think at the end of your Q&A at the Baltimore screening was like, someone had asked about him and his schedule and Susan and everybody there was like, just go now because yeah. there is a certain amount of you know time in our lives. And so I actually have sitting right here in my office on my 2019 uh, trips, Dr. Laud question mark, and I've got down the dates that he's gonna be back and teaching. Um, and so I really, again, just wanna encourage that sort of like having experience, I, I actually have to say that I didn't realize how closed I was to him or his teachings or that that was coming up for me until I sort of dove in and then realized, oh, why don't I really know this guy? And I said, oh, because <laughs> I've been staying away from him <laughs> because I think the integrity piece is huge right now in our spiritual communities, you know?
1: Absolutely. And I feel like you, uh, you're not the first person that I've heard say some version of that. Yeah. Of whether it's like the guru thing, whether yes. it's the male teacher thing, yes. uh, you know, whatever sort of slant it takes with people. There's uh, trust has been broken so repeatedly yeah. that it's hard to kind of buy into the whole framework at all for a lot of people. And I think that's one thing I really love about I mean, one of the many things I love about Dr. Lott is his he's not playing the guru game, so to speak.
2: Right, He just
1: is, you know, he just, he's just himself and he's there and he's available. And his main thing is like teaching people to empower themselves. And he's not I mean, from the way I understand the sort of like tradition of the guru setup, you put your trust in somebody else and ultimately that you become your own teacher at the end of the day, but you have to sort of give yourself over to somebody in the process, which is a scary thing. And Mm
2: -hmm. when
1: that's been abused so repeatedly uh, it's, and it's also a cultural thing. I mean, maybe in some cultures that's a more natural thing and in the Western culture, we have all of this different programming that's been put in us from such a young age that it doesn't work as well as westerners
0: well um, i'm a jewish who girl knows from... what
1: it is and...
0: yeah <laughs> i mean i'm from connecticut and you know in in judaism there's so much around this is around intelligence and intellect and academia and schools being the way so really shifting gears and looking at nature it's just a it's just a totally different mind set shift and experience that's not always tangible that you can talk about because again like i said Uh i didn't even realize that i was moving away it was just intuitively i'm just was getting really sick of the stories um and i think just losing so much trust in the system and then that sort of that more critical nature comes in um, that is so ingrained (laughs) Um, And so
1: much of Ayurveda is about you know like empowering yourself.
0: Totally, (laughs) Totally. you learn how
1: to take care of yourself. That's
0: what (laughs) I love about it. You learn to like listen and
1: like you like my favorite. I think the deepest teaching for me is pratnya parada, which is crimes against wisdom. That Mm -hmm. the root of all disease is doing things you know you shouldn't do. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's the fundamental teaching of Ayurveda. Yeah. Uh, it's very empowering it's not at all a disempowering situation where you give yourself over and to another person it's about learning to empower yourself and listen to your body and that ultimately we're the greatest doctors and the greatest teachers that we could have and that it's all inside of
0: us and that whole mothering um nourishing Aspect around kind of asking yourself each morning, each day, each cycle, each season, how can I take care of you? You know, mentally speaking to yourself that way, kindly, gently. Mm -hmm. What do you need, my dear? That kind of really deep uh, relationship to yourself that I think so much of our culture, especially in parenting, I don't know if you have children. Your
1: children. I actually just had a baby three weeks ago.
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> so
1: I'm like Don't deep you know. in figuring. That was kind of like, yeah.
0: Congrats, mazel tov! <laughs> oh, thank
1: you, thank you. Yeah, um, it's been an amazing, this. wild it's month. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: I can imagine. Are you exhausted?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I'm so proud of you for being on this call. Good work. Make it clear. But it's that piece that I do for my kids every day when they wake up. I greet them with that warmth and that nourishing and that I see you, I hear you, I love you. Um, And no matter
1: whether you're cute as anything or screaming your face off.
0: Totally. (laughs) If you're starving. In all
2: settings. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Hungry. Are you hungry? Do you need to shower? (laughs) Do you need a walk? You know, asking those questions. But very few women. Um, that I work with, and I know, and in my life, and in my community, and I'm and men as well. But I'm obsessed with women, so I'll talk about women, but men as well. <laughs> um, ask, wake up, and ask themselves that: How can sure, we yeah. ourselves at this level? And for me, once you get in the habit of doing that, as your as your Ayurvedic practice, your spiritual practice, your sacred practice, your daily practice, your well being practice, your mindfulness. It doesn't matter what you call it. But once you start to take care of yourself, like you would your children, it's like healing, energy, vitality. It just has a place to live. Yeah. And, and it's profoundly healing and magical at, at every level. Um, so I think you did a, a, just such a beautiful job. I want to ask you, um, and then I do want to be mindful of your time, especially because you have this, uh, do you have a boy or a girl?
2: It's a little
1: boy named Dylan.
0: Oh, delicious. Um, so, wh- so spending all of this intimate time with Katie and Dr. Ladd, I can only imagine that some things changed. And you talked a little bit about it, about um, especially with the Katie film, it was like a pilgrimage. But were there any specific practices or shifts that you that were sort of you you picked up, or that were kind of contagious for you? while you were with them?
1: I think that like, maybe the, the like most fundamental thing from if I sort of take it all as this like, I guess maybe like 10 year ride from beginning the KD film to now sharing the Dr. Lodge film. Um, is this sort of expansion of the idea of, um, who we can be and what we can do with our lives. Mm. Uh, I think spending so much time and meeting all of these different people who've devoted their lives to living as compassionately with as much wisdom uh, and sensitivity and bigness of heart and presence. Mm. Uh, Meeting so many people who've, that's their life's work is just becoming better sort of like so to speak better but like bigger more compassionate more loving people uh it really busted open my idea of what we who we could be and what we could do with our lives and definitely changed I would say before I started all of this practice I think what I wanted in life was to be like famous and successful and for people to think I was like Special, you know Mm -hmm. I think I was really caught up in like a lot of these ideas that come with being like a uh, I was a musician before I was a filmmaker and I think I just wanted so much was like wanting people to like tell me I was great you know Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, and
1: that I was okay and that I was worthy of love and all of these sort of things that get wrapped up in that Mm -hmm. and I think after spending all of this time with these people and diving into these practices in this way it's made this massive shift of how can I love, and mm-hmm. just kind of like reversed it <laughs> uh, to some extent. I mean, I still get caught in the same stupid shit that I've always got caught mm-hmm. in at times, and those programs are running, and but I don't take them as seriously anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I definitely like constantly working to reroute that energy in a different direction and seeing. People and being you know, surrounded by people like Krishnadas and Dr. Lod and meeting people like Siddhima, who was the she's sort of mentioned in One Track Heart, but she wouldn't appear in the film. Um, but she was when Maharaji Nimkarli Baba left his body, basically all of the temples and that lineage was left in her hands, and she was this amazing saint. And uh, I was able to spend some really incredible time with her and while traveling with Christian Das and, and also on my own separate um so just being around these people and having these example and this like visceral experience of how you can reorient your life in a different way uh and this like what we were talking about of trusting ourselves and loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves and uh I would say now what I'm kind of where my place is is not so much looking to somebody else that has the answers outside (laughs) of me, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: to like trusting myself that Mm -hmm. uh, especially now that I'm a father and I've got this, this little guy who I have to trust myself to take care of. Mm
2: -hmm. uh,
1: And my, you know, my partner and I that we trust in ourselves that, I mean, it's sort of bizarre sometimes that it's like, holy shit, who put us in charge?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Where's that but, manual? <laughs> <you> know,
2: <laughs>
1: this is a joke, right? Somebody's sure. going to come in and take over. Uh, but, you know, trusting that, that no, like, this is where I can do this. I, yeah. uh, I've got it all inside of me. Um, mm-hmm. And just continuing to cultivate and trust and love myself and try to take care of everybody in my life and around me to the best that I can. And um, I'd say that's like the most Mm -hmm. basic and lasting teaching and example that I've been blessed with from, you know, these experiences of, of traveling and getting to live so intimately with really incredible people.
0: And over time, right? Like you are not saying that you did this, you, you know, made these films and did this work over the past three months or in 24 hours or in a week. Is that one of the things that I think is happening in healing and wellness and spirituality? Is this, you know, do this meditation and it will all be fixed. Now and this sort of speed, um, and so oh, I'm yeah, just. Yeah,
1: no, this is a lifetime of work. <laughs> well, that's
0: what I'm saying. Is I'm always reminding people that this stuff takes time. Um, and
1: even when you've been doing it for years, you still fuck up. I mean, that was one of human. the things that I felt I mean, was most important about the Krishnadas' story. Yeah. That after meeting Maharaji and spending all of these years in these practices and absorption he gets totally lost in the crack, you know, he becomes a crack addict. Yeah. And like for years is lost after all, like after meeting the person that to him is a walking embodiment of like the most profound love in the universe. Uh, like there, we're never in the clear. It's like a constant practice and work and we're, and like to forgive ourselves for him to forgive himself for, uh, Yep. for like getting lost and then um, to pick himself back up and get back on the path and sit back down.
0: Did you see the Mr. Rogers documentary? I loved it. Oh my
2: gosh. <laughs> it was so twice.
0: beautiful. I can <laughs> Another one that I just wept the whole time. And the thing that struck me is that at the end, after all that work and intention and clarity and impact, he still was saying it's not enough, right? He still had that humility of, I could do more. Beautiful
1: and heartbreaking at the same time. Did
0: this do anything for people? I don't know if I can help, you know? And that seeker soul, like that was what was so profound to me was that he never got to a place where he was like, okay, I'm good. Like I've done, you know, this is it or um now i've got it quote unquote all figured out <laughs> like
1: did you ever read the journals of uh, mother Teresa, her last years yes or hear about those Yes. oh my god
0: <laughs> I mean, yes yes after See? all she yes. done she yes. was convinced
1: she was a sham and was like shut yes. out from the heart of god
0: <laughs> yes it's that same and that for me as someone who's a seeker as someone who just wants to have these conversations and like really dig into the hard stuff and the good stuff and keep evolving and keep learning. There's, I I don't see that there's ever going to be a point when that stops. And when people say things to me like, Oh, you, you have it, quote unquote, all figured out. I say, no, no, no. I'm just learning and sharing and expanding and trying this and exploring. And that's going to be this journey. Like that's actually the part that's so interesting to me is to continue to have, that kind of zest for life, right? That kind of um, energy that's hard to put a finger on because it's what like gets me up every day, you know, and sort of always has. I was the, you know, the little kid reading psychology books and spirituality books and trying to think about life, you know? So Mm. uh, I think that that, that, that the Mr. Rogers film... Was so amazing. It Was so beautiful. yeah. It was it's beautiful. So right now, right. So needed.
1: You couldn't dream up of like <sighs> a better film of this like conservative Republican mm-hmm. Christian that is the most like humble, beautiful, non-judgmental, open-hearted man doing a life of service.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like for that message to come through at this time, in amidst, it, in addition to all of the other incredible teachings in that film.
0: Yeah. Um, and the history yeah. part. That was the other thing that was beautiful is like, we do hard things. We've been through hard things as a country. We, are, we've, we have some really uh, difficult conversations that we've had and that we need to have. And putting some of the historical context was really important. Um, I just thought that was a really important message too for right now.
1: Um, I loved uh, that that film was coming out around the same time as The Doctor From India because yeah. I felt a real uh, kinship between yes. Dr. Lod and Mr. Rogers. And like, okay. there was a couple of theaters where their posters were both on the wall at the same yeah. time. And it just made me so happy.
0: <laughs> um, what are you working on now? Being a dad? Are you able to do any filmmaking now? What's next?
1: Uh, I am actually like sitting at my desk with uh, my next film up on the, the monitor here. Um, which is called Space Fox.
2: Okay. It is.
1: Um, it's it's interesting because there's, in some ways, it's very different than the other films I've done, and in another mm-hmm. way, it's like there's definitely themes. So this is um, this guy Marty Friedman, who is a Jewish guy from Baltimore,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, was the lead guitarist for the band Megadeth
2: okay. in their heyday. Okay.
1: Uh, so he was a huge rock star. Uh, he his whole life was obsessed with Japan and never really knew why. He'd only had Japanese girlfriends his whole life. He'd always been drawn to all things Japan. Uh, as a high school kid, when everyone else was copying Eddie Van Halen on the guitar, he was learning like traditional Japanese vocal music and figuring out how to play it on his guitar. Um, and towards the end of his time with Megadeth, when Megadeth went from like a giant leap, like one of the biggest bands in the world selling out Madison square garden and places like that to like on the downfall after grunge had kind of exploded. He was feeling like he wanted to leave the band. He was only listening to Japanese music. He'd like learned to speak fluent Japanese uh, on the tour bus while everyone else was doing drugs and playing video games on the bus. He was studying Japanese uh, and he ended up having a nervous breakdown, um, becoming hospitalized Uh, basically just had a complete breakdown and then quits the band and disappears and nobody really knew what happened to him he didn't tell anybody in the band or where he'd gone he just disappeared sold his house and moved to Tokyo uh, to try to play Japanese pop music like he loved all these like the equivalent of like Britney Spears here the Japanese version of that or the Spice Girls or something like Uh that was his jam was the Japanese version of that So he goes from Megadeth to trying to play with like the Japanese Spice Girls, so to speak.
2: Uh,
1: And he gets a gig with one of the biggest pop stars in Japan. And these TV producers see this like weird long haired white guy that speaks fluent Japanese. And they craft this TV show around him. uh, And he ends up becoming one of the biggest television comedians in Japan, uh, which is where he remains today. (laughs) um wow. so the film is really about reinvention uh and it's also about this yeah. like a, which is kind of I like in some sense what one track heart is about which in <laughs> some ways is like a bit of what dr lot has done of this like sharing of uh sh- cultural sharing and also this ability to reinvent ourselves um so this film that's pretty like it's kind of there's a lot of comedy elements. There's a whole like anime element. I'm having a blast making it. It's been Yay. really, really fun.
0: <laughs> That's the And best I'm really part.
1: excited about it. I think it's really different than the other films. Um, but I think it's got like a big heart.
2: Yeah. And I
1: think that, you know, I did a and A Q&A with a friend of mine uh, who this guy Josh Radner, who mm-hmm. was on a TV show called How I Met Your Mother. Um, mm-hmm. And he's made like a couple other films that were really beautiful. And he described in the Q and A we did together for One Track Heart, he described his films that the spirituality is kind of like a Trojan horse. That it's like he's sneaking in these big themes and ideas uh, in a package that is a bit more palatable for people, where they don't even necessarily know that uh, you, it's not like so overt. I think the spirituality in one track heart and doctor from India is obviously like the theme of the film and, and some, some ways with this one, I think it's like, it's a little bit underneath in a way that and it's, mm-hmm. I think it's going to reach an audience that wouldn't necessarily be suspecting it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I'm really excited about it. It's been uh, a very different kind of film for me to make. It's been really fun. And I think it's a film that's got a lot of heart and Marty's, uh, for him to walk away from you know, being in this incredibly successful rock and roll band that people dream of, to just walk away from that and reinvent yourself is an incredibly courageous move. And then what he ended up doing is so wild and unexpected. <laughs> I, <laughs> at any moment in our lives, we can totally recreate who we are and what we want to do. And I think that's really inspiring and a good reminder.
0: Limitless possibility. That was my like word of the year last year. Lim or phrase of the year. Limitless possibility. That's what it sounds like. When's it coming out? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh Is I it think out next now? year? Hopefully. Um,
0: okay.
1: I'm like getting pretty close to having my first assembly. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully in the next couple months. So, right awesome. now I'm I'm digging in. I actually just did my first shoot since having the baby last week, which was. A totally delirious experience, of,
0: like,
1: <laughs> but it worked out all right.
0: You don't even realize you're in a baby fog until you come out of it, like after six months usually, and then you say, "Oh, now I'm starting to feel like myself again." I didn't even realize how foggy I was. <laughs> just well,
1: a friend of mine the other day told me, "Like, you know, you're just going to be operating at about seventy percent for a good <laughs> yeah. long stretch of time. Just like accept it, get used to it, and you'll be fine."
0: <laughs> oh but it's a delicious, (laughs) a delicious time. Um, okay. So I want to close by saying we've had, I just almost 40, this is our 40th episode and you're the first man, male I've had on the podcast. So I feel very (laughs) excited. It didn't occur to me until we started recording and I speak so much about women. And I said, oh, this is actually the first name. But to close, I just really want to honor the work that you do, tell you how much I appreciate what you've put into the world. What an act of service and love sharing these stories and how incredibly valuable that ripple is out to, again, um, regular people like myself, living in Washington DC, raising two kids, running a business, being married, having these little gems of sacred. The um, did you see the Ram Dass documentary that came out?
1: The new, the short yes. film, the new one. Yes. Yeah.
0: So. Sometimes I just watch it in the morning. I watch clips from One Track Heart. I can't watch clips from Dr. From India yet, but I'll watch the Ram Das or your film um, or the Wayne Dyer film. And I just, it's a way of practice. It's a way of integrating watching these lives. I do think we need to have one on women now that I'm thinking about it. There's all these men movies that I watch, but that's another story. Um, but that... You're, that you're like in with me in the kitchen, right in the mornings at five thirty a.m. when I'm looking for a way to connect and and listen to teachings that this is rippling out into our homes and into our kitchens, and that the especially with Dr. Ladd and the teachings of Ayurveda, it is so important right now in our world in this climate to have this wisdom, to have this traditional wisdom, these connections to nature, and to our plants and to our healing. Um, It feels, and I think he says this at the end of the film, right? He talks about this connection between Eastern and Western medicine, and that we're not in conflict, that we are working together. Um, And I really, really just want to honor the work that you've done with this. And thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for you know, being part of the screenings in DC and having me on and talking about it, you know, I feel really lucky to be able to do what I'm doing. And uh, the most meaningful part is when people are touched and moved and it's like this circular dialogue that's happening that I feel like I'm kind of in the middle of in like a certain way. So Mm -hmm. I thank you.
0: (laughs) And good luck with that little baby. Give him a big squeeze. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go out and see what he's getting into out in the other room right now. <laughs> All
0: right. Have a good afternoon. Thank you, Jeremy.
1: Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye.